She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Unfortunately, the difference we have between the executive and the legislative branch in our house anyway is ideas based on fact, science, truth, evidence. Did I say data? So if we have a, we'll have a different interpretations of what happens. We were interested, we are interested in doing infrastructure. It's clear the president isn't. He is looking for every excuse, whether it was let's do trade first, or whether it was he's not going to pay for any funding, or whether today that there are investigations going on. We've had a House investigation. We have Senate investigations. We have investigations like nobody's ever had before, and there's nothing, we did nothing wrong. They would have loved to have said we colluded. They would have loved it. These people were out to get us. The Republican Party and President Trump, they were out to get us. And now, Stacey Washington. Hey there, welcome, welcome, welcome. Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Ride here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. So glad to be back with you. Uh, we have a jam-packed show today. We're going to chat with Evan Sayet. You know who he is, right? Author, comedian, all-around fantastic guy. Uh, he is out of California. He's out of Hollywood, the Hollywood tradition. But he's a conservative, and he has written this new children's book. And it's satirical, obviously, and it is so good. He sent me a review copy, an email, and it first of all, it's done by a true cartoonist. So if the book is in the political cartoon style. We'll have information for you on how you can get your hands on a copy if you're interested. Um, But we're going to chat with him about the book and what made him write the book and uh, some other stuff. We're going to laugh. We're going to have a good time. We're also going to talk about Missouri's last operational Planned Parenthood abortion clinic. Uh, They have their licensing is up for renewal. And if it's not signed by the powers that be down in Jeff City by the end of this week, they will have an interruption in service for those seeking an abortion from Planned Parenthood. And remember, abortions are not only performed by Planned Parenthood out of the 958,000 abortions done in the last reportable year per the Guttmacher Institute. uh, You know, about a third of those or 360,000 or so were done by Planned Parenthood. So other doctors perform abortions in private clinics here in the state of Missouri. But if you're looking for that branded product, that branded, uh, you know, choice type product with the pink labels and all that stuff, in other words, Planned Parenthood, um, you will have some trouble getting that done if you're looking to do it in Missouri. So uh, we're, we're interested in reporting on that story, and we'll see what we can do. Uh, right now, we also have um, this story about this elderly couple who lives in an assisted living facility, and they actually, um, they've been having Bible study in their apartment. And their, their facility is saying, you stop having the Bible studies, or we're going to evict you. Kind of crazy, huh? So we'll talk about that. And can a Democratic candidate win back rural America? Um, President Trump, also some audio from him saying that no, that they said insurance policy and we'll get this guy out of office. And I mean, he's really been on a tear with this and it's appropriate because the news media is not covering it from the perspective of, hey, there was some wrongdoing here in investigating candidate Trump and then President Trump. And so we'll, we'll, ta- we'll delve into that. And we also have time for your calls. Please join in the show at 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. 
right now, um, I, I want to talk about this uh, last abortion clinic possibly lo- losing its license. So, you know, this is the Planned Parenthood that I've prayed outside of, you know, many, many prayer warriors who've been in this longer than I have stand outside that Planned Parenthood and we pray. It is the last Planned Parenthood branded facility that does abortions in the state of Missouri. Other Planned Parenthoods around the state uh, do contraception and they claim to do women's health care. But the last abortuary is this one that's on Forest Park Boulevard. And the piece that I found, I, I didn't post it because... It's such a shame when, like, it's CBS News, right? CBS is doing this investigative news story. You know, it's, it's like, hey, there's news out of Missouri. But they're doing it as if they're an arm, a PR arm of Planned Parenthood. They do interview someone from the life side of the movement from here in Missouri, but they don't actually take it upon themselves to get any real information from him other than having him expound upon some of the, the waiting period laws that we have here in the state of Missouri. Now, the problem with that is there's a lot more to this than just their licensure is up and, you know, the legislature might not renew it. The issue with the Planned Parenthood on Forest Park is that they continually have ambulances showing up to take the patients from there to hospitals. These are emergency situations where these women are going in for an abortion and they're being harmed and then they have to be whisked out of there and taken to a hospital. And we don't have any details on what happens to them after that. So the statement from Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood uh, has, has said this is their, their side of it. They say that Missouri's health department is refusing to renew their annual license to provide abortion in the state. And if it's not renewed by May 31st, we would become the first state without a functioning abortion clinic since 1973 when Ro- Roe v. Wade was decided. Now, they would be able to provide non-abortion health services for women in, abortion, er, in, in Missouri, but no abortions. They say they're going to sue the state of Missouri in order to keep try to try to keep serving Missouri women. Um, Dr. Leanna Wynn, the mouthpiece for, you know, Cecile Richards protege, the mouthpiece. She says this is not a drill. This is not a warning. This is a real public health crisis. And she says that Planned Parenthood Federation of America is going to like they're going to they're going to do something about this. Now, of course, they will. Because they want to keep doing abortions, but the question is, will they go go to the? Uh, uh, the will they will they take the steps that are required in order to get the licensing done? Like, you know, what what are they going to do, or are they just going to act as if it's something that only has to do with, uh, you know, Missourians? It, or, or, in other words, what is the problem with them having safety standards? They don't have any. Um, so. CBS called the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services, and they didn't get a call back immediately. So representatives for Planned Parenthood, of course, were able to reach out to CBS, and they said that the upcoming deadline on May 31st actually follows weeks of back and forth with state health officials. Um, And so they're saying, you know, the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services notified Planned Parenthood of three issues that could impact license renewal, according to documents reviewed by CBS News. So Planned Parenthood said it would address two of them. <sighs> Adjusting who at the clinic provided the state mandated counseling and a- adding an additional pelvic exam for abortion patients. But they said the third request was out of its control. Accor- according to Planned Parenthood, they have deficient practices. Well, the health department says they're investigating deficient practices. And the health department wants to interview seven physicians who provide care at the clinic. Now, Planned Parenthood 
said they can only get the interviews together to comply with the health department's request for two of the doctors who are their actual employees. The remaining physicians who provide services at the facility aren't employed by Planned Parenthood and they have not agreed to be interviewed. Uh, you know, they, in, in other words, these are doctors who are doing abortions at Planned Parenthood. When asked to be interviewed by the health department, they're like, uh, no. <laughs> that's, that's where we are right now. So in the letter, the Department of Health wrote that they could not quote, compete their investigation until they interview the physicians involved in the care provided in the potential deficient practices. The investigation needs to be completed and any deficiencies resolved before the expiration of the license on May 31st. Now, Dr. Colleen McNicholas, a Planned Parenthood physician in St. Louis, said the agency hasn't shared details of the investigation or potential concerns. She is expected to be interviewed by the health agency on Tuesday afternoon and apparent compromise from the state, which had initially requested that interviews be conducted in a specific order with the other physicians going first. Now, they claim they're being attacked. So my problem with this whole thing is obvious that when young women who they're not pro-life People, they're not, they're not reading articles on life news. These are young women who've been taught from the sixth grade on up in public school that if they ever have any problem with their quote unquote reproductive health, that the person they should turn to, not their parents, not their pastor, not the, you know, deacon's wife at their church, not uh, the librarian, not their cousin, aunt, grandma, not their mom's best friend not a trusted woman in the community that, you know, is someone they know, their neighbor. No, they should turn to Planned Parenthood. They've been taught that since the sixth grade. That's what K through 12 public education teaches, that if you have a problem, you take it to Planned Parenthood if it has anything to do with your, quote, reproductive health. Don't go to your parents. Your parents are old fogies. They don't really love you. Don't go to them. And so it's one of those things where you just sit there and you wonder to yourself, how is this possible? That these young women and these girls have only been taught and trained. Well, I told you, Planned Parenthood likes it that way. If they can get you to thinking of yourself as some kind of modified animal that can talk and your sexual urges are something that have to be satisfied and you have no control over them, then when you do that and you're pregnant and they've already told you your parents can't be trusted, you'll come to them and you'll get your abortion. And so you've got all these women going into this Planned Parenthood in St. Louis It's right in the inner city. It's located near a bus stop. It is a place that is, when you sit outside of it, if you stand outside of it, you see a lot of very young women driving in. The people who work there drive newer late model cars. The people who drive into the parking lot to get dropped off for abortions or to drive in with a friend to get an abortion, they're mostly black, they're young, and they're coming in driving not late model cars. These are older vehicles. They're obviously in a different socioeconomic strata. And don't even dare email me about me saying that they're socioeconomically disadvantaged because they're driving older cars. The statistics show that lower income women, especially black women, are the main people who are partaking of Planned Parenthood's death and abortion practices. So this isn't a statement about whether or not you drive an old car and you might be socioeconomically disadvantaged. Stick with the subject matter here. This is about abortion. It's not about you. Now that we've got that PSA over with, I'm talking about young black women who 
They're going in there and getting abortions because they've been told that's their only option. You can't have a kid. You can't have another kid. You can't dare go along with basically the consequences of your actions, unprotected premarital sex, sex outside of marriage. These women have been convinced that their only option is to go in and get an abortion. And so 40% of all black babies, all of the pregnancies in this country, 40% of them, they end up at a death mill like Planned Parenthood or a private clinic where that baby is destroyed. So you sit out there and you see what's going on and you wonder if the health department says there are deficient practices there and they've had now, I think, over 80 ambulance calls go into that, that Planned Parenthood on, on Forest Park Boulevard. Why wouldn't Planned Parenthood be bending over backwards because they're, they're supposed to be so safe. They're supposed to be a real clinic. They're supposed to be a healthcare provider. That's what they call themselves. These people actually don't want to bend over backwards to comply with the health department's requests. They don't want to email and call the doctors who do abortions there and say, look, our licensure is up. If you want to keep doing abortions here, you need to show up for these interviews with the health department so we can get these things taken care of and keep our clinic open. That's the attitude that other clinics have. LASIK eye care centers don't issue a statement to CBS when they're told that there are new updates to the safety practices for their clinic and those standards require that they X, Y, Z. No, the eye care people, they just bring themselves up to standard before the expiration of their license. Every other outpatient clinic, ambulatory care clinic, if it's a clinic, if it has anything to do with human care in the healthcare arena, they all fall under the purview of the health department for the state of Missouri. And all of them have to comply with the regulations that come out. And none of them are issuing press releases and trying to get CBS News to carry their dirty water and make it so they don't have to comply. You know the reason why those doctors don't want to be interviewed by the health department? Because they don't want to talk about their deficient practices. They're not interested in having a safe clinic. They're interested in having a clinic that can do abortions every day of the week on demand. And if they can't do their dirty work their way, then they're going to make a PR news hit out of it instead of complying with the safety regulations. And if that's not proof that they are on the side of evil and they don't care not even a lick about women, if that's not proof of what we've been saying in the pro-life movement from day one, that it's never been safe, legal or rare, then nothing is. And if they shut down on Friday, I'll be over there Snoopy dancing outside their parking lot. How about that? We'll be back with more. Stay here. Like, I wanted to have the abortion because I was trying to hide a situation. When a young mom in crisis walks into a preborn pregnancy center, she's welcomed with open arms and given love, support, and a free ultrasound to meet her unborn baby. This young woman not only chose life for her baby, but heard the message of Jesus Christ and was comforted from the guilt and pain that plagued her. Preborn centers lead the nation in providing free ultrasounds. When an abortion-minded woman sees her baby on ultrasound, she's 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds, and 100% of your sponsorship goes towards saving babies. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. 
When our children were small, they had a hamster. That little critter was quite rambunctious. Truthfully, Karen and I found him a bit of a nuisance. He would get out of his cage and the search was on. We always found him, usually by luring him with food. But the last time he got out of the cage, we weren't so fortunate. We looked everywhere, and I mean everywhere. Mr. Hamster had seemingly disappeared. Then after a few days, we noticed a foul odor in the house. We followed the scent and unfortunately found Mr. Hamster. He had expired. That's a bit of a parable concerning sin. Sin, too, emits an odor that's impossible to cover up. Just like the hamster was dead for a while, and then the stench told the truth about his condition, it can be concealed for a while, but eventually the odor will lead to the source. There are always consequences to sin, and I mean always. In Numbers chapter 32, verse 23, there's a famous line that has been quoted time and time again. Verse 23 says, But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. Now here's the line. And be sure your sin will find you out. God is not ignorant or blind, and whenever we live in sin, we treat God as if he is stupid, as if somehow we're going to get away with this. No, the text says to be sure your sin will find you out. Here's what I want you to remember and do today. Don't go another minute hiding this sin. Come clean so you can experience his cleansing, his love, and his forgiveness. He wants to deliver you and cause you to live in the light of freedom and joy. So let's get rid of the sin and start living the way God intended for us to live. Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey there, welcome. Welcome back. All right, listen. I got busy talking about our last open abortuary here in the state of Missouri on Forest Park Boulevard. And I didn't get to the encouragement. You know, that is something that we do here that we love to do. And so me and some of my girlfriends, our Bible study buddies, are, uh, we, our, last week we studied Psalm 107. And so I highlighted a few of them, a few of the verses from Psalm 107. And I just, you know, it, the word says, oh, taste and see that the word is good. God's word is good. And it's health and life to our bones. And whenever I'm away from it for a few days, because I'm, I'm just as human as you are, sometimes I get, get to go in and I'm praying, but I, I don't spend as much time as I should, you know, seriously just sitting down and saying everything's shut off, phone's not in the room, I'm, I'm in my word. When I do that, I can feel the difference. Everything is different and not different good. And so this was our, we, we studied 107. Psalm 107, which it's actually kind of lengthy. It's 43 verses. And so the ones I highlighted, well, obviously, <laughs> verse two, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I have, that must be a song that, because every time I, I read that verse, I hear it as if it's being sung in a song. And I can't remember. I think it is, it is a song. Um, and then the next one that I highlighted was 17, fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities were afflicted which tells me that sometimes when we're afflicted, it's because we have transgressed, we have partaken in iniquities, um, we have behaved as fools. So 
Sometimes the things that we're experiencing, the trials and tribulations are brought upon us by our own actions. And then verse 21, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. This psalmist is lamenting the fact that we don't thank God for his goodness. We don't actually take time out to praise him for his wonderful works to us. We have to do that. If we're not doing it, we have to, you know, rewind it back, do it, get it done. Um, and then 28 says, then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. So in previous verses, it talks about how souls are melting because of their trouble, reeling to and fro and staggering like a drunken, drunken man, making the souls that are staggering, they're like at their wits end. And then, then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. And for that, we really are, are, we're so stubborn. Instead of us going to the Lord immediately when we see we're in trouble, we're like, okay, let's strategize this. Let's plan this. Let's see what we can, you know, let, let me call this one. Let me call that one. Okay, yes, strategize, plan, but first go to the Lord and cry out, hey, look, Father, I've got this problem. Take it to him first. Go to the source. And then verse 41 was the last one that I highlighted. Not, not that the entire Psalm 107 isn't fantastic, it is. But the last one that I highlighted here was, yet he sets the poor on high, far from affliction, and makes their families like a flock. And so this poor, and this could be, socioeconomically disadvantaged. It could be the poor in spirit who will see God, um, poor as in humble. Um, it could be really any kind of poverty, especially if it's a poverty that we take upon ourselves and choose to dwell in. So the, the poverty of poor in spirit being humble. So 42 right after that says the righteous see it and rejoice and all iniquity stops its mouth. Whoever is wise will observe these things and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. And so that's my prayer that we will continue to understand the loving kindness of our father, which is so great. So we're supposed to have Evan say it on right now. And I think what we might be having is a time zone thing because he is in California. And if he's anything like me, he's probably thinking that the time zone thing because uh, he's on Pacific time and I'm always trying to figure out um, what time. So I'm just going to send him a message. Um, so call lines are open. <laughs> we don't have our guest, but we can chat with you before I launch off into our next subject topic here. Uh, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037 if you want to join into the show. I just sent a message to Evan to see if we can still get him on here in this segment. Um, also, head over to StaceyOnTheRight.com. You will notice that I have added a bar right in the middle. As you scroll down, you can listen to our 60-second spots. Now, they're not the, – the latest ones that we've done aren't in there, but I'm going to try to get those up today. If not today, maybe maybe I'll finish getting the rest of them in there tomorrow um, because we're on, like, number 86, I think, and I think I only have – 60 or 70 of them loaded in, but you can go there and click on that. And if you click all the way through, it'll take you to SoundCloud and you can listen to them. There are 60 second spots that air here on American Family Radio. Um, and they're, I, if I do say so myself, I think they're pretty good. Um, we had our 
team choose some snazzy music for the background and they're really great to listen to. So check those out. Um, so it looks like also we're not streaming live to Facebook right now. Um, something's going on with the stream. We're not, we're not there. Um, so now I want to move on to this article by Walter E. Williams that I read over the weekend. So this is right in my wheelhouse. You guys know the topic of education is something that we discuss here often on the program. And one of the things that is so important about this piece is it's actually Walter E. Williams talking about a book about education reform that he recently read. He's talking about this new, it's a, it's a bunch of different ideas, fantastic ideas, actually, by Distinguished Professor Emeritus of Economics at Ohio University, Richard Vetter. He wrote a book called Restoring the Promise, which was published by the Independent Institute based in Oakland, California. The book is about the crisis in education. So he talks, starts off by just lamenting the vast expansion in cost in higher education. Now, you know, this is something that we're really kind of in the thick of as a family with two off to college in the fall, one last year, now two this fall. And there's, according to him, there's this amazing mismatch between student occupational expectations after graduation and labor market realities. College graduates find themselves employed as baristas, retail clerks, and taxi drivers. Now, some people would say, well, it's because they're trying to break into a market. Like if you graduate with a degree in theater arts, then you're probably going to be working as a barista. Um, what, what we see with that is that these kids are not getting what they need in the way of skills that make them employable. Because let's say you do go to college for something that is not in the science, technology, engineering, and math field. With a college degree, you should still be able to get above an entry-level position. But he digs down a little bit deeper. He says, not only does the high college cost straddle students with debt, but it causes them to defer activities such as getting married and starting a family, buying a home, and saving for retirement. And this is according to to new research by the New York Federal Reserve Bank and National Bureau of Economic Research. They connect each dollar of federal aid to a tuition increase of 60 cents. So when liberals cry and whine about how we, what we really need is more tuition assistance, we need more federal dollars, more Pell Grants, what they're saying is, hey, colleges, here's going to be another, you know, 60 cents that you can infuse into the cost of educating kids. And I think it's like, obviously, if you go to some of these bigger universities, um, and especially the public ones, but all of them really, a lot of universities, when you walk on the campus, they're not only gorgeous, but they have these amazing structures and all of them are competing with who can have the newest lab space, who can have the newest you know, research and development spaces. But a lot of the campuses that you go to also, they have some pretty old and dec- decrepit facilities in the way of the dormitories. They get updated every 20 years or so. So if they're raising tuition for every dollar that they get that, that's available to students in federal aid, they raise tuition by 60 cents. Where is that money going? Well, according to uh, Richard Vetter, it goes to the enormous cost of administration. Additionally, um, the result is that you d- you're not getting anything back from that. These professors are tenured. They're very well paid, but they spend very little time in the classroom. 
So he talks about adult literacy falling among college graduates and the large proportions of college graduates who don't know simple facts, such as which half century the Civil War occurred in. Um, Now, he says there are some exceptions to this incompetency, namely in fields such as engineering, nursing, architecture, and accounting. These are areas in which colleges and universities teach vocationally useful material. But student ineptitude is not surprising because they spend little time in classrooms and very little time studying. He says if you look at the high school preparation that they go through, according to 2010 and 2013 NAEP test scores, only 37% of 12th graders were proficient in reading, 25% in math, 12% in history, 20% in geography, and 24% in civics. Wow. So we have way more than that percentage actually going off to college. So that means they're going off unprepared. Now, I could keep going on, but um, the statistic that I thought was so interesting is he says 40% or more of college students fail to graduate in six years. He says it's not unreasonable to ask whether college attendance was a wise use of their time and resources, because if you think about it, if you've been to school for five or six years or more, And you haven't graduated. What you've done is you've racked up enormous amounts of student debt, but you don't have a degree to show for it. So if you're working as a barista, you're not making enough money to pay your student loan bill. That means you're living at home or you're in a multi-roommate situation and you are basically stuck because you can't get out of the multi-roommate situation and you don't have the skill set to be able to move up out of a barista job or a taxi driver job or et cetera. So unless you have the drive of that Uber driver guy, the, one of the first Uber drivers who ended up making a billion dollars, you know, that, that's not the norm. Most people who drive for Uber do not become billionaires or even millionaires, then you're stuck. So he suggests that, um, just to wrap this up, he suggests in his book, Restoring the Promise, a number of proposals that Walter E. Williams finds fantastic. And I'll just run through them really quickly and then we'll go to the phones. He says, college administrative staff exceeds teaching, teaching staff. He says, you have the opportunity to cut 10% of the administrative payroll without materially impacting academic performance, but that would lower the cost of the education. Reevaluating academic tenure, um, eliminating colleges of education because they have an overall poor academic quality and they're an embarrassment on most campuses. He says, end speech codes on college campuses by using the University of Chicago principles of free speech, require a core curriculum that incorporates civics and cultural literacy, and make university governing boards independent and meaningful instead of being yes men for the provost and president of the university. It's fantastic. And this is Walter E. Williams' most recent column, um, well, I want to make sure, you know, he's syndicated through creators. Yeah. And this was in our, our local paper here. Um, it's a weekly paper that we get if you live in the suburbs. So uh, Higher Education in America, Walter E. Williams, if you want to Google that, you can read the whole column for yourself. It's really fantastic. Uh, let's go to the phones. Hey, Gail in Georgia. Thank you for calling the show. Hi, Stacy. Hi. I just called to say thank you. I get so much of my news and information from you, and I appreciate you so much. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. You you are um, so knowledgeable, and 
such a good Christian woman, and I just can't say enough praise. I tell everybody they need to listen to Stacy on the break. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you, Gail. I appreciate you calling and uh, for those wonderful words. And I just have to say, anything you're seeing in me that you like, that's Christ. Because <laughs> it's not, not, my, not my normal orientation over here. It's the Lord working in me, and I'm so grateful. Um, Andrew in Alabama. Hey, Andrew, thanks for calling the show. Everything that you've done, uh, I love your show. Thank you. Uh, I was wanting to talk about uh, the Lord, he has, what he has been showing me about in prayer, that's going on with abortion. I believe that, you know, everyone has to know that we are on the winning side of abortion right now, of ending abortion throughout the nation. And uh, I believe that, there, that we need to start praying for the next victory or the next protection that the enemy is going to try to come up against us with. Uh, especially with the with our children, we need to start. Uh, we need to start praying for the protection of individual rights of the children up to the age of accountability. Because I believe what the Lord has shown me is that, uh, like a lot of the AOC, what she has been saying about you know save the earth, don't give birth. It's like she's going to start trying to say you know spade and neuter your children. Like if you want to get, if you want to have a child, have mm-hmm. have children. It's like. If you want to have a child, child, raise your children. But now, as even as you know, they have made it made it normal with our pets. You know, spay and neuter our pets. You know, now you can spay and neuter your children. It's you know, it's normal in other countries. Why can we not have it here in our nation? And I believe that we need to start praying as men and women of God for the protection of our children. It's like uh, for even uh, up to the age of accountability. Because why cannot why can't a parent choose the gender of their child from birth? If they're mm. given the 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 right of uh, of the child to the mother, why can't she say, oh, I want a girl, but this is a boy. Mm-hmm. So they, You're you know, right. The, well, the sex-selective abortion is actually uh, the, the law of the land over in, in China, and it could be the same here unless we have laws that would stop that. Um, okay, so we will take more calls when we get back from this break. I'm Stacy Washington, and this is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Okay, I know I just heard the music. Is, is, am I a little early there? Um, well, we have more callers, but we're not going to go to them right this minute. We'll go right after the break. Okay. There we go. I thought I heard music. Um, you guys head over to stacyontheright.com and hit the subscribe button for me. We love having you subscribe to our newsletter, which comes out periodically. (laughs) All right. I'm Stacey Washington. We'll be right back with more. This is Uncommon Moments. Here's former Super Bowl winning NFL coach Tony Dungy and his wife Lauren sharing from their book Uncommon Marriage. Over the years, Lauren and I have had some arguments. Most of our disagreements were over little things, but sometimes a breakdown in communication led to conflict. Whose fault was it? Had I misinterpreted what Lauren wanted? Maybe she didn't spell it out just right. Or maybe she'd been clear, but I wasn't listening closely. Tony and I have found that it's sometimes best to apologize even when you don't think you've caused the problem. The words, I'm sorry, are powerful. It's not easy to say those words, especially when emotions have gotten heated. It goes against our human nature. God's word says a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Tony and Lauren Dungy, authors of Uncommon Marriage, 
Discover more at CoachDungy.com. Family is an institution set forth by God, one man and one woman for life, with the outflow being children produced by that union. It's obvious to all that there is an attack on the family in our country, and especially on fathers. Whether it's the cycle of sin that persists in our families or the pressure from our government to exclude men from being intimately involved, the strategic battle is on for the souls of men. Join us in the battle to strengthen fatherhood. UrbanFamilyTalk.com Abraham Hamilton III Don't you realize when you see some of the inner workings of the cell with each component having its role to play, where you have soldiers and you have operators, you have little machines that are working, if the Lord would do that with something as micro and as undetectable by the natural eye as the cell, how much more will he provide for you? The Marriage, Family, and Life Conference is coming June 20th through 22nd. Learn more and register at urbanfamilytalk.com. Donald Trump's America. President Trump's called U.S. military spending out of control, but he's been walking that back and proposing increases. During a speech Monday at the end of his visit to Japan, he said, My administration is committed to ensuring that America's military strength forever remains second to none. The president telling service members on the USS Wasp near a base in Yokosuka, Over the past two years, we have made historic investments in our military with $700 billion. Right, General? That's billions, right? No more millions. Not when it comes to our military. It's a little bit uh, scary with a B. Scary. You know, it used to be millions. Now it's billions. And that's the way it has to be. Late last year, the president said he was hoping to sit down with Russian and Chinese leadership to talk about what he called a meaningful halt to what has become a major arms race. Jill Nato, Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacy on the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I've seen some policies come out of some Democrats that fit that, uh, that uh, description, and I think it's important that we stay connected with reality. College is too high, uh, and we need to figure out ways to drive it down, but I'm not sure that there doesn't need to be skin in the game if you go to college. The same thing with health care. Uh, and, and one of the proposals that was put out said you're going to have a, 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 a job, the job's going to pay uh, livable wages. Uh, you, just can't, you just can't do that. It's, it's, not, it's not that easy. It'd be great. It's great to say it, but it's hard to implement it. So I, let's, stay, let's stay grounded in common sense and move forward. And I've seen the candidates, by the way, across the board that are running for president uh, do, do a Your pretty good job of, of, one of staying them. grounded. My home state governor is one of them. That is correct. Yep. And, and so the bottom line is that whoever comes out of this 24, 25 people who are running for president needs to be able to connect with rural America. And you do that by applying common sense. Hey, welcome back to the program. Uh, we have still call lines open for you if you want to call in and chat. 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. Uh, you were just listening to a little bit of audio there from Tester. He says no Democratic candidate is capable of winning back rural America. And I think the key to that is everyone in rural America, meaning every every bit of the country outside of the heavily populated cities. So we're talking about rural, but that en- encompasses a bit of the suburbs as well. 
everyone in those areas is looking at the cities, looking at the liberals passing these bills in 15 states to basically obliterate the Electoral College and put us into mob rule status. And we all understand what that means. Your vote doesn't count. The population of Los Angeles County is the same as like, I don't it, it's way bigger than the state of Missouri, the entire state. So we, we have major cities in the state of Missouri. But every single one of us could be immediately disenfranchised by the population of Los Angeles County. Check out the graphic that's on my Facebook page. Um, I, I just, I got to tell you, go, go right there. Um, and I wonder, did I tweet this image out as well? I don't know if I tweeted it out as well. Um, okay, I'm looking on here. Sorry, I'm looking on the... I'm looking on the Facebook page to see if the image is still there because, you know, so I've had Facebook fact checking me um, and my stream's not up over there today. I'm not sure what that's all about, but I put up a, you know, optimist post. Oh, here it is. The red dot is Los Angeles County. Okay. So in the image is the red dot is Los Angeles County. That County has the same population of all of the blue States that, that are highlighted here. Any question as to why we need to keep the electoral college? So as people continue to stack up on top of each other in these major cities, the idea that the rest of the country doesn't count without civics education, without people learning about the Constitution, that idea begins to take hold because people want to win. They want to win more than they want to preserve our constitutional system. They want to win more than they want to actually have an America that we can pass down to our kids. Winning at all costs, winning at the expense of everything else. That's what we're seeing right now. It's disgusting. All right, we have more. Let's go to the phones. Deb in Arkansas. Hey, Deb, Hi, thanks for calling the show. Yeah. Hi, dude. Hi, Stacey. Um, I'm calling. I have two of my grandchildren here, Ava, who's eight, and Edwards, who's five. Oh, and hello. We were watching the show on- <laughs> oh, hi. You say hi. Hi. Stacey. Hi. Hi, Stacey. Hi. Hi. Oh, they sound um, so cute. <laughs> oh, no, we were just, we wanted to encourage you. Um, this morning at our Bible study, we were talking about, you know, how the Lord is with us all the time, mm-hmm. and um, that Jesus is here, the Holy Spirit is alive in our heart, and he'll, you know, teach us right from wrong. And do not be afraid of their faces, Stacey. Um, you know, you're, you're taking stands that are uh, opposed to this world, this fallen world. Mm. And just do not be, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. There's little kids who are listening to you and who love you, who love what you're saying. They, they love what Miss Stacy is saying, but they know that the Lord is using you. Oh, thank you so, so much. You know, that like, is so nice. Um, and thank you for so letting me just, say hi to your kids. <laughs> oh my gosh. They're, <laughs> they're precious. They're precious, precious. So just don't be afraid of their faces or whoever cuts you off. I mean, you know, I was thinking of Facebook with faces. Uh. I thought, the word of God says, do not be afraid of their faces. You know, when you look at I thought Facebook, you know, whoever it is, please carry on. Just keep on talking if there's one person or if there's an aunt. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. That I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, the talking thing, you'll ask my husband and he'll say, oh, I'm pretty sure she's not going to stop talking, which <laughs> that's our joke around here because I do like to talk. Um, thank you. Thank you for that encouragement. I really appreciate it. And also for letting those sweet little ones hear what we talk about here. It's uh, so... So wonderful to hear their sweet, tiny little voices and to know that they're getting uh, good information here at American Family Radio. Um, I, that is so, so exciting. I love that. Um, okay, Tina in Kansas. Hey, thanks for calling the show today. Hey, oh, 
how do I follow up with that? <laughs> I know, I know. They sounded so cute. Um, I know. I'm trying to get in a good spot here because uh, it was breaking up. I couldn't hardly hear. Um, and now, uh, um, oh, now I'm nervous. Okay. Um, yeah, I just want, there's so much I wanted to say, but um, I just, um, I love listening to the show. So You're so witty. You're so informative. Um, and we, there really are so many of us uh, that are listening that, um, I don't know, just, just different things that you've said. Um, I thought, gosh, you got to write that down. You know, you need to get that out um, <laughs> a different way. Um, I know because it's just, it's just, um, I mean, the Lord's really giving me such a gift to be able to, I mean, with everything from from abortion to, you know, education to everything. But what I wanted to um, mainly to say was, um, I this, this is really such a big issue, people. You know, it's, it's tanny. We know it's the tanny, but I had an abortion 40 years ago. People think, oh, it's no big deal. It doesn't matter. God's healing me. Um, I'm going to get, I'm going to get, I mean, right now, I'm going to stop crying. Um, no, it's, it's fine. I mean, the, what you're, what you're talking about is everybody, ever all post, post-abortive women know, it's, it's deal with it's, it. It's everywhere. There's so many women that have had abortions. It's not, it's, you know, it's, 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 there's so much under the surface, so many people hurting from whatever, sexual abuse, um, physical, emotional abuse. And these, all these women that have had abortions and thinking, you know, all this crazy, you know, you know it's Satan, all these women saying it's not a baby and it's, it doesn't make any difference, it doesn't matter. When I was 16 and had the abortion, I wasn't saved. And the Lord showed me six years ago when the Holy Spirit came upon me, because I've been saved since January 28th of 1988. But the Holy Spirit got a hold of me six years ago and started revealing to me about sexual abuse. All this stuff that happened to me when I was younger because I haven't had any memory of my childhood. And He showed me those babies I aborted were twins. And I had told my daughter when I had her four years later that I said, I, I always wanted red-headed twins. And she said, well, I'm going to turn around to tell me that. And I said, no, I forgot. The Lord showed me that. They were twin boys. And so it's been for, a 40-year anniversary last month. Mm. And those, those boys, if they would have, you know, they would have been born, they'd be 40 years old in September, around around September. And I'm just, I'm just like, you know, I see, what, what would they have been? What? Yeah, and and you're forgiven. You you're forgiven. You have a repentant yeah. heart. You just have to yeah. walk out that yeah. forgiveness. And I know I am. I know I am. But these, these they're just hiding it. They're hiding this and stuffing it down, thinking, you know. So so it's just really, you know, it's really on my heart. So I just oh, thank you for sharing, I, Tina. Thank you for sharing that and for I'm sorry. Um, thank you for sharing that, Tina, and also for just. Um, for opening your heart up here on the radio for other people. Cause I think that was meant for someone in the audience to hear to really a listener who's struggling with the same issue. Um, I gave a speech out in uh, Alton, Illinois to one of the option centers there. They were converting from a pregnancy resource center to the branded thrive options, uh, kind of their logo and all of their colors that they use in their clinics. And at that speech, I talked about the women of America, the post-abortive women, it's, it's an army of women out there hurting, uh, really experiencing a lot of guilt and trauma and not being able to uh, kind of say to, to themselves what, what Planned Parenthood has said, which is, it's just a clump of cells. It's not a big deal. Like you, you don't have feelings about this because how can you? It's nothing. 
that goes against what we know as women. And it stays with us unless we, you know, give it over to God. And even women who've been through and admitted and been forgiven and repented and are walking in forgiveness, there's still mourning that goes on for what was lost. And that can only be rectified on the other side when we when we finally get to meet our maker face to face and all things are made right, then that burden of mourning will 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 pass. But I just want to encourage women who are experiencing that to make sure that you've made yourself right with God and and prayed and asked for forgiveness and then start walking that out. And one of the best ways to do it is to get into a Bible study with other women who are in the same situation so that you can receive the comfort and assurance that comes along with that. And I know I talk about Bible studies a lot on the show and I mention them and I'm by no means the perfect Bible study person. I sometimes I go late, sometimes I miss, but I found that the Lord has really worked through Bible studies to help me in areas where I've been struggling and deeply wounded and and trying to get to where God would have me to be. And I just, i I want to encourage you to do that. And just if you're listening right now, not by accident, you you heard her testimony and her heart for a reason. And and there's healing and forgiveness um, that you can you can get in Christ Jesus. And so don't don't forget that. Don't don't let the enemy. He's immediately going to start talking to you about how you don't need that. It's not going to do you any good. It will. It will do you some good. In fact, it'll do you an amazing amount of good. And you will be also a comfort to someone else. That's that's the thing that I find most interesting about the Bible study dynamic is when I'm going there and I'm a little empty tub and I'm dragging myself on in. I afterwards, someone says, Oh, you really encouraged me today. And I'm like, how could I I had nothing? I had nothing. I came in here with nothing, but God uses us. He works through us. And the reason he wants us to get together and not forsake the gathering together, the believers, not just on Sundays or Saturdays, but during the week at a Bible study or some kind of fellowship is because of that dynamic, the body of Christ, we encourage each other. I really appreciate that call and um, the sharing. I, I do. Um, Barbara in Kansas, thank you so much for calling the show today. Hi. Um, hey, thank you so much for the affirmation that you gave to the lady who just called because that really was awesome. And for her to share that, um, my heart it goes was. out to her. And Me too. I know too. that she probably has to deal with a lot of guilt. And But your words to her to be able to forgive herself and know that she'll see that little one in heaven. Mm-hmm. It's just pretty awesome. Um, what I wanted to share today, and I hope perhaps it can just help one person, if nothing else, just one person. I wanted to encourage all the young people out there or, you know, even older ones who are thinking about having sex before marriage, mm-hmm. that um, if they could just understand um, the gift of sex that God keeps within that perimeter of marriage and then how awesome that is to just save yourself for mm-hmm. your husband or wife uh, to give that gift of sex on your marriage night. And then when the time comes that God allows you to have a little one, that you can celebrate its birth together and be excited about having this baby and the new gift of life that God's given you. I just feel like so many young people believe the lie that, you know, we got to have sex before marriage. It's just part of it. And it, it just ruins everything, and it, it's Satan's lie to take away the joy they could have. And the reason I'm able to say this is because I bought into that lie, and um, 
I, I still, uh, at uh, 60-some years of age, I still suffer the consequences of that mm-hmm. um, that I brought into my life, and not only mine, but my husband and, and our son, who had mm-hmm. to endure uh, ridicule when they, people found out that he was conceived before um, the normal time that someone would get married and then wait nine months. Mm-hmm. So um, anybody out there, save yourself. Save that gift of, self, um, of love and sex. For your marriage night, it's well worth it, and you'll never ever um, regret it. Amen. I, and and I want to just reiterate that because I've talked about it on the show a few times, and uh, I've I've even spoken to teen groups about it here in the St. Louis area, which is kind of funny because the teens are never shocked by the things that I say, but sometimes the parents will hang around to see like what is this woman going to talk about. And I see their faces, like their eyebrows go up and their eyes get big. When I talk about the fact that statistically speaking, even the secular people admit that when people, couples wait for marriage to have sex, they have better sex for longer, meaning they're in their 70s and their 80s and still having fruitful sexual relations between the husband and wife, and they have healthier bodies, and they avoid the societal pitfalls of, you know, timing your wedding to coincide with, you know, the new baby that's coming and all of that. And I also want to say, you know, there, we, we underestimate the priority that our father in heaven puts on obedience. God is, he's, he's, he can't lie. So he is unable to lie to us. And when his word says over and over and over again, that he will bless you if you obey him, we don't even understand the depth and width and height and just the breadth, the overall size of what blessing from God in response to our obedience can actually encompass. He has amazing abundance that he wants us to walk in, and that includes our marital sexual bed, the marital bed, but we have to obey in order to access that. All right, you're leaving us now. God bless from the heartland. If you're sticking around, I got more for you. Listen to this onenewsnow.com news and information up next. 